This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Today we're going to be talking television. I'm joined by Media Week's Dan Barrett and Andrew Mercado. Welcome. Hi, James. Hi, James. What's been... Uh, there's sort of one thing dominated the... Sort of more the media space than television, but let's talk about Sonia Kruger straight off the top. A lot <laughs> Do of... we have to? <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm thinking normally, Andrew, this might have been... They might have called on you to comment about this on A Current Affair, but I'm guessing that didn't happen mm-hmm. this week. No, that's... Uh, <laughs> well, I, I did read one report where a lot of TV interviews were asked not to talk about it, and I watched Studio 10 and thought it would be the story of the day at 9.30am, and unless they talked about it in the first hour, I'd say even they kept away from it too. You know, it's... What I think is interesting about it is that, you know, Sonia Kruger during a live television can be, I think, one of the best operators around. If you think of her work backstage at Dancing with the Stars, there was no one funnier or faster than Sonia Kruger. But I'm yet to see her in that environment at Channel 9, except maybe some of the live shows in Big Brother, where we see that, you know, sparkling Sonia Kruger wit. And, you know, this show that she does mornings, to me it's a show where she often sort of holds back. And so... Today Extra, I think. Today Extra, I'm sorry. Yeah, they've changed the name. And, you know, it seems ironic to me that, you know, she finally says what she thinks, you know, and, and this is what happens. Now, I don't agree with what she said. I think it was super silly. But, you know, if this sort of reaction happens around every television presenter actually saying something that they believe in you know we're going to ju- they're just going to become more like robots than ever before and before and be too scared to say anything and at least what she said as as bad as it was it created a, a debate and some good conversations have come out of it i hope but uh yeah i just hope that other tv presenters don't take that as gee i'd better not ever say what what I think again because one of the reasons I watch Studio 10s in, in the morning and I don't know that Mornings changed its name today extra is because at least with Studio 10 I see five people and they speak their mind. Dan Barrett, should you be allowed to say sort of dumbish things on TV? I think dumbish things should be encouraged to be said <laughs> on television. I mean, we said this on the Seven Days podcast a few days ago at Media Week. The one thing I really liked from that segment was seeing David Campbell next to her start ripping into her straight away. It was a spirited conversation. Uh, David Campbell obviously didn't agree. I think most people watching were probably erring more on the side of David Campbell. It just seemed like she was out of her depth a little bit, was talking about something which she probably believes and is quite passionate about, but I don't think she really thought it through that much. I'm sure if she had like a in-depth conversation with someone who believed quite differently to her, she might come around on that. She might not. She may hold to her views, whatever mm. the case is. But she seemed out of her depth. Probably an area she hasn't really considered too much in depth. Probably an area she hasn't done too much reading on. And David Campbell called her on it. Made for great TV. And I'm a huge proponent of the idea there needs to be more live TV around the place. Yeah. And I'm concerned about moments like this where the media have jumped on her entirely in an overreaction, I think, to a large degree. And it just means that we are going to start seeing this squashed a little bit more. Celebrities will be hesitant to say too much. Broadcasters will be concerned about putting their celebrities on live broadcasts because then you've got so much damage control you need to do. Uh, brands that you spend building for years suddenly lose their value. Like, it's a problem. Yeah. It seems as if there's a whole industry now that sort of um, almost exists around media looking for other media stuff up. Yeah. 
you know, and it drives web traffic, it drives social media commentary, and without it, I don't know, some people would be out of a job almost. Because the opportunity that I saw here that, you know, I'm unaware if this is taking place, I suspect it never will, um, but maybe it's taking place as we speak, I'd love to think it would be, is that if Sonia has tons of Muslim friends, as she said in that <laughs> telecast, um, there's actually a segment in that with her actually going out, you know, and having a think tank session with some actual Muslims. I mean, this is the whole thing we never really hear, except on the ABC and Waleed on the project. We've got a whole bunch of white people on TV talking about Muslim issues. And the, the opportunity actually exists for Sonia um, on that show, Today Extra, to actually bring in some people and have a proper discussion about this. But I don't think that's happened, and I don't think it will happen, which is a shame. There should be an absolute requirement that any time a media personality takes to a microphone and says, I have, insert name of group, who are probably are friends of mine, they should immediately be asked, just name who's your best Muslim friend. Yeah. Like, just pose the question. Don't have to be malicious about it. Just, you know, let's get some examples on the table. The, um, what about the conversation that this might have damaged the Nine brand? I don't, has it damaged the Nine brand? It's damaged the Sonia Kruger brand to an extent, but I don't, does it hurt Nine? No, so I don't think it hurts Nine at all. I mean, to me, that's one of the things Nine should be doing, you know, having discourses and conversations. Some are going to be... Because it think, keeps them in the conversation, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, some of them are going to be things that people won't agree with. It should be fine. Yeah. The worst thing you could be is never talking about your brand and you sort of might become irrelevant. Yeah, plenty of opportunities for material for Here Come the Habibs next year. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're interesting about damaging the Sonia Kruger brand because there's been talk about the sponsors sort of being a bit nervous and, and perhaps rightly so because if you're paying a, a um, celebrity or, or a famous person, whatever you want to call them, a host, to endorse your product, you really want, you don't want them venturing into sort of waters where they could be upsetting a significant part of your customer base. Yeah, that's right. You know, because whoever people do sponsor, a lot of the, their customers could be Muslims, you know, so mm. they're not going to be uh, take kindly to any ads she's doing. I think part of the problem for Sonia was that it was handled badly after the event took place. Like, if she'd managed to, well, her people had managed a little bit better in the days that followed, like, she maybe could have come out of it stronger. Like, whether it's just something of, oh, well, you know, I haven't considered this before and so she sort of comes around and engages, like, with other people. And has segment. a segment and That's actually looks into something it. Something like that. The problem, of course, is that yeah. the segment that apologises for it or comes to some sort of greater understanding of things afterwards never gets the attention of the original segment. Yeah. But all I saw like that afternoon was tweets from her just further just like cementing, like embedding in her views that little bit more. And that's what people were really ripping into. Like there was just no contrite sort of attitude at all. Yeah. I don't think there was that many. She made one significant statement on, uh, mm. on a Twitter feed, which has been quiet ever yeah. since. But, it, but the volume of that tweet, James. I know. That one, there was a big white... <laughs> background with big black type to really mm. it was just too much as if it was yeah. a normal tweet okay but yeah. and she he, she fell back on the thing look I am as a mother and then a lot of people took umbrage at that then saying you know well because there's two lines that annoy people which is <laughs> I've got lots of Muslim friends and as a mother yeah. like those just seem like cop out lines and yeah. people just like she just used both of them and I think got caught on it rightly yes yeah to a 
really pure TV story now. The cast for The Real Housewives of Sydney yeah. has been revealed. Amazing. Yeah. Well, well, hilarious. I say amazing because uh, we, we really won't know what the cast will be like until the first episode goes to air. But here's what I think is really hilarious. If we think back to the last time Sydney Confidential and News Limited hinted at who was going to be in the cast, they were way off base, weren't they? Because there was that lunch where a whole bunch of them were there. There was Gordano Willisy and there was Jali Jitali, the bikini model from Bondi. And they were at a lunch on a Friday afternoon. They are all, oh, yes, we've auditioned for The Real Housewives and I'll be a real bitch. I actually think those poor women were set up as a decoy and that that was part of the throw the red herrings to the press because most of the people in that cast announced today had not been mentioned in any of the pre-publicity. So congratulations to Matchbox for keeping that cast under wraps and for so successfully throwing out the, yeah, it could be Sky Lecky and it could be this. I think the only name on that list that I recall seeing in that publicity was Lisa Oldfield. Yep, okay. Now, I'm guessing you would be very excited about one of those <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. Melissa Couts. Uh, they're calling her the triple threat model, actress, <laughs> singer. I mean, she started off in E Street when she was 16 years old. Uh, next thing, she recorded a single as a dream sequence in the show called Read My Lips. It became the number one single of that year. She followed that up with Sexy as the Word. And, you know, I worked with her many years ago on uh, Pacific Drive when she played <laughs> the first HIV positive character on a soap anywhere in the world. Uh, she's a great chick and uh, still extremely beautiful. And, you know, I still see her releasing music. And, you know, she's, uh, she's going to be really, really interesting on that show. Yeah, she's just, to me, she's, she's certainly the most interesting character out of all them. I'm sure some of those others will sort of blossom as um, intriguing, uh, nutty, uh, funny, yeah. funny people. But um, yeah, yeah, Melissa's a great get. And in that first PR shot, she's sort of easily, can I say it, the most glamorous? I mean, that that really looks the part. Yeah, yeah. It. I must say that on the f- the first look at the shot, they they don't seem to be bringing the glamour the way that. Uh, I I think we did when we saw those first shots of the Melbourne housewives. It was kind of like, oh, yeah, I can see that. They, You know, there's a couple of uh, ladies that don't really have that sort of cliched housewives look. Yep. Um, but then again, you know, clearly they've been cast then for personalities or what they can bring to the table. So, uh, I mean, we can only sit back and wait to see and it. Be, it's really silly to judge things on a first photo. Oh, I don't know. We, <laughs> we've done more on less. Um, but I think... Probably. They, they don't want to be the same as Melbourne. They want this to be Correct. different. So you don't want the same sort of people doing the same sort of things, I guess, do you? Yeah. Which which looks like it could be quite different here. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, S- Sydney is such a different place to Melbourne. I mean, when I always talk to my Melbourne friends and they talk about the fact, oh, of course, you know, nobody with old money in Melbourne would ever do that <laughs> show. The only person who actually had old money was Janet. Um, and the rest of them, they go, oh, they sort of dismiss them and say, well, of course, they're new money. Um, and, of course... That's what we've got to remember about this show, that these women have a lot of disposable income at their disposal and presumably they all live in incredible houses. Yeah, I do like in the media release, they did say exactly where all of them live. Oh, really? Just as part of status. Uh, so we've got Athena, Athena X Livendi, 
of whom is a spiritual eccentric and attractive lady. She's a painter, sculptor and jewellery designer and she lives in a Bellevue Hill home. We've got Chrissy Marsh, who's a quintessential Australian girl, as I've learned here. Originally from Brisbane, she moved to Sydney for a modelling career at the age of 18 and never looked back. Uh, she now lives in Double B. <laughs> Just uh, give us their suburbs. <laughs> Name and suburb. We'll be here all Lisa day. Lisa Oldfield, they don't say exactly. Northern Beaches. Northern Beaches. Yeah. Uh, who else have we got here? We've got the Bellevue Hill resident. Another Bellevue Maddie, Hill. Maddie Samay. Okay. Yeah, she's a beauty expert. Well, the limo could do a round trip there. Yeah. Could get the Double Bay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the two Bellevue Hill picker. Well, Melissa lives in French's Forest. Okay. Uh, Nicole O'Neill. Uh, where are we? Um, gosh, uh, no suburb. Listen. No suburb. Oh, she must be so embarrassed. <laughs> uh, but we've got Victoria Rees, who's a Bondi resident. Right. Oh, well, it's yeah. heavy eastern suburbs. Yes. Influence. It was always going to be eastern suburbs based, wasn't it? You'd think so, You'd yeah. think so. Yeah. And no one from Parramatta, unfortunately. No. <laughs> Melissa keeping it real from the, from the upper north shore. Huh? Um, staying with Foxtel, a uh, new season of Wentworth. Yeah. Being commissioned from... Um, Fremantle Media Australia. Yeah, the final episode of Series 4 goes to air uh, this Tuesday night. It's been a really full-on dark series. At some points, it was, all, it was almost too much for me. It was just like, oh, my God. Um, and I've not what, been watching the previews. I've been trying to watch it live as it goes to air, so I don't know what happens in the finale. But uh, it's been extremely memorable, um, very full-on. Um, and Sigrid Thornton, who hasn't had a lot to do in it, has been fantastic as a new addition. I hope she has more to do in the fifth season. And of course, course Kate Jenkinson, who played Ali, uh, an inmate that B. Smith actually fell in love with. And that was all going okay until the end of last week's episode. No oh, plot spoilers. spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, she, she, she's been absolutely uh, fantastic this year. And uh, yeah, it's been some, some, some great stuff. Good on them for coming back for a fifth series. Now, to, just as a programming note, to at the end of this podcast, we're going to chat about some of our maybe best lists at the halfway mark of the year. So it'd be interesting to see. Don't tell us now, but if Wentworth make Andrew Mercado's lists, we will find out. Uh, I'm also going to ask um, both of you about Olympic counter-programming ideas. Now, this is a uh, question without notice, so you've got a little bit of time to mull on that, um, scribble a note if you think, but uh, what might you do to go up against the Olympic Games? We'll, we'll sort of put you in the programming hot seat. Something which is wrapping up before the Olympic Games, of course, is MasterChef, which finally comes to an end next Tuesday night, then 10 rolls straight into Bachelor. Seem to be still on a bit of a roll, um, 10. It's doing very well. A story this morning about its share price hasn't really kicked along lately. Oh, so, really? So that um, the the audience growth hasn't been reflected in the stock. and um, you know, But their, their ad share's been going up a little bit. But how does that compare against the other broadcasters? Uh, all the broadcasters' share prices are up seven the most nine Wait, is it significant the, growth or is it just a little bit of uh, yeah movement? we're talking 10 percent plus for nine but nine was pretty low seven been down a fair bit too so yeah they're all sort of coming off a low base but that yeah the uh, investment market really is really is just steered away from 10 they've been very nervous about their their prospects i guess in a three-horse race when you're coming third by what was a fairly substantial amount you, yeah it's um the other thing that seems to be missing from 10 compared to the other 
other two is they don't have a very strong digital strategy. It still feels very much based around that broadcast environment. They've had 10 play for a while, but like it's a standard definition. It's just sitting there in the background. They're not really doing much with it. Yeah, but I think there's an argument that maybe is, is that the most clever thing they still want to they're still going i mean for yeah long long term maybe not smart but for in this climate you you putting the emphasis on your linear tv mm. you know none of the others are making any money out of their um their digital I businesses think if, I'm, if i'm looking to invest in a company though i'd like to see that i've got more of a future than the next three weeks <laughs> but no just like you like digital is here it's not like it's a far off future thing like they think? are do you think i think so like yeah. there are viewers of whom are purely digital viewers now they're not necessarily looking yeah but i mean the 10 but the 10 was really maybe first into the sort of catch-up with 10 play i mean that was almost ahead of the others well, yeah. way yeah. behind i view though come on abc oh well, yeah okay first. we're talking commercial i guess yeah, okay. monetizing it yeah yeah, yeah no sure the i view set the pace but yeah. um yeah but the actual video experience isn't particularly but, great so you're anymore. maybe talking digital live streaming really um, aren't you live streaming but also if i want to watch catch-up so for example one of the things i like doing is watching the late show with the Stephen Colbert like the show is a bit of a dog's breakfast at times but I've been enjoying watching it I have to watch it from an overseas broadcast set high definition if I watch it on 10 play it's really low res it's just a terrible viewing experience it's just those little things that make their destination but size no one's, no one's got that under control yet have they in terms of channel 9's high up? definition 7's you know so 9 now is high def yeah okay it's all being broadcast on high def iview's not though is it no iview has got the similar problem to 10 but okay. we're not talking about iview here James we're talking about commercial <laughs> networks uh-huh. What about seven? Uh, seven's all high def. Is it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. At least their live streams are. I haven't watched an on-demand program. Well, okay. While, but but we're talking about on-demand. Yeah. But I presume it's the same. I mean, I can load it up now and just take a look. Because, but... the, you know, that's if, if I'm going to go to one of those sites to watch something, I'm trying to catch up on something that I've forgotten to watch or forgotten to tape. Hmm. And I know there's no on-course screenings. And yeah, I just think that live streaming on digital is still isn't a big deal for many viewers. No. It's about on-demand. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. on-demand. It's catch up. It's that's that's where the action is, and I mean those live streaming numbers will grow in the future. But I think, yeah. uh, but the video experience on ten just isn't up to scratch. Like it doesn't meet the needs. And also, a lot of the great things that I think really work on demand for ten, you can't find on ten plays. So a lot of those great sort of hidden gems you find on eleven, they're not really there front and center or on ten play, which is maybe what they should be pushing. Yeah. Like that's the value of eleven largely as a broadcast, like that great library of content. I'll take that as a signal to segue way into talking about 11 um neighbors this week had a couple of new well one new character on screen one new character started filming you crossed yeah. both of those uh, yeah andrew tell jody us and astor arrived in neighbors and um people every new woman that comes to neighbors now arrives feet first so the car pulls up the stiletto heels come out <laughs> the camera like then moves up the legs <laughs> then we see who the femme fatale is that's the promo then oh there's a new woman in ramsey street um and so Jody and Astra arrived at the high school prom. She's playing the new high school teacher and promptly flirted with every man in the bar and then took her top off when somebody <laughs> spilt something in Lasseter to wipe it up. So there she was in her bra and I'm thinking, this is going to be one hell of a high school teacher. This is what she does at the prom. What the hell is she going to do in class? So Jody's in the show. Uh, I think she's a good signing. She's um, I'd forgotten uh, what a good actress she is. She's actually brought a real jolt uh, to Neighbours this week. She's a, she's a good signing. The new signing
signing, though, is Fifi Box, who's going to play the daughter-in-law of Colette Mann and therefore the mother of uh, Lily Vandermeer, who I think is the Margot Robbie of tomorrow. She's this incredible young actress that plays the role of Xanthi. And I just find myself absolutely can't take my eyes off her when she's on screen. She's beautiful and she's funny and she can act. She's an absolute standout. So Fifi Box is, Fifi Box is coming in to play her mother and I'm, uh, the press release said that she'll be bringing some Gold Coast chic to the character. So I can only presume that means stilettos. Oh, presumably. Stilettos from Main Beach. Obviously higher than everyone else. Is that else Gold the Coast show. chic? Uh, well, I, hope, I hope so. Or bejeweled well, thongs. Stilettos from the shoe shop. But, yeah. um, what's the, the shopping? Marina okay. Mirage. Yeah, Marina Mirage. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just excited about the next uh, Margot Robbie. It sounds to me someone who's maybe 26 and beautiful and not in that otherworldly catwalk way, but a minor knockabout. <laughs> the blue mood, the slow dance. You must be reading from the Vanity Fair article. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I won't hear a bad word against that. It was written by the creator of vinyl, so um, just sleep. Co-creator. Co-creator. Well, come on. Oh, the show that <laughs> just got out. Leave him yeah. alone. Leave the, him alone. The highly well-reviewed vinyl. We talked about the here, but, but uh, I just can't believe the reaction. Just a quick aside to that. Australia needs to grow up. If somebody has a bit of fun at the expense of one of our actors, there's all this mock outrage about, oh, how dare they? Oh, look how badly it's written, blah de blah blah yeah. which sort of justified the tongue-in-cheek tone yeah. of the story, I thought. Mm. And um, do you know what? Nobody ever mentioned in any of that that she was on the cover of the magazine and she looked incredible. Mm. Maybe the best photo shoot ever for Margot Robbie, but it all got completely lost in the fact that, oh, they're making jokes about Australia. Honestly, yeah. I agree with you. Grow up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just on 11 before we leave it, there was some very funny stuff with Jodie and Nasta with Kyle and Jackie O this week because her ex-husband Braith is their sports guy. And so they were giving her, really quizzing her about why the relationship didn't work. They're split now, of course, and uh, some really funny stuff. And I heard Braith was on just... Um, later in the week and then they cut up the interviews and had them they were going to try and get them both in together to, to, but that looks like it's not going to happen they both really seemed keen on being away from each other and as Braith said look look how happy we both are that gives you a message about you know how it's both worked for us this separation but during that conversation Kyle asked um, Jody's ex if he'd watched the her debut on Neighbours and he said oh no sorry and Jackie asked Kyle if he had and he said no actually I haven't he, Kyle said I can't even get 11 and Braith said like who watches 11 and it just sort of made me think about the whole multi-channel thing and you know the the uh, perception of them as as standalone stations compared to the um, have we still got a way to go before it's an an even playing field with all the stations sort of standing on their own merit? Well, you know, Eleven isn't an important channel if you've got uh, only free to air TV because when you're going through that guide, you go, you know, seven, nine, ten, eleven. It's the next one there, sort of in the mix. But when you're on Foxtel, it's just a chat one hundred and forty one. It's just another channel. So this is the thing. I suspect that Braith and Nasta, I know for sure that he would have Foxtel with his... He'd need to watch his 
Fox Sports. So, you know, that's Because everyone's got it, but it's just a matter of finding it. It's a it, matter it? of finding it, and actually it's, it's, it's a destination you would need to search out. Hmm. But the thing is, uh, if you look at the content on most of the digital multi-channels, it's all the stuff of which isn't rating on primary channels. So yeah. people aren't going to primary channels to watch scripts or dramas and comedies but anymore. But it's a catch-22, isn't it? I mean, it's not rating because, okay, it probably wouldn't do as well on them, but then again, it's not rating because yeah, it's on a channel a lot of people don't even know it's there. But it's just the sort of content people aren't going to broadcast TV for anymore. Like, it just seems as though that's the stuff that you would well, watch you on might Netflix. argue otherwise for Neighbours, wouldn't I you? search out Neighbours. Yeah, but Neighbours is an aberration on, like, that channel. Like, the rest of it is repeats and American imports. Oh, oh don't there, get me wrong. There's don't a get lot me of debuts there. Uh, yeah, but they're American content. Yeah, but they're American import debuts. And they're all shows that Channel 10 think aren't going to work on the main channel, so they oh, get chucked I'm sure they all think they're not going to work. And, can, and I'll just say this. I'll just make a blanket statement on behalf of all of you. Most of the digital channels, bar a couple of them, are crap. And particularly 10's channels 11 and 1. I was only going circling my things to watch in TV Week next week, looking at next Friday night, looking at, you know, the fact that one, with no irony whatsoever, screens a repeat of Star Trek The Next Generation and walk at Texas Ranger in prime time on a Friday night. And 11 does another screening of the movie Xanadu, which they screen seem to screen every three months. The, it is the laziest programming around. And Seven Flicks and Gem and all these crap commercial channels are not much better. I think most of them are rubbish. And if <laughs> people like Braithen Astor and Cole Sandlins are on the radio saying they, they, can't, they, they don't know where Eleven is, it's because there's never really been anything decent there for them to watch. Mm. But I mean, I'm just saying, even so, this sort of stuff, even if it was premium American import comedies and dramas, people still aren't watching it because they're not watching it on free-to-air TV anymore. Like channels, think, channels I, 10 are the only ones to be able to make a good di- like run with some of their things, but that's because it's only NCIS, which is you know just one of these sort of big magnets for viewers anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I take your point that the uh, the perception is that it's a dumping ground, yeah, isn't it, for yeah. programs that nobody wants to watch in great numbers, and and I think um, and you're right too about the Foxtel. I mean, Nine Life, it's 194. I mean, that's you know, yeah, and I only know that because I actually go there sometimes. The others, I don't know. I don't know where one is i don't know where 11 is i have no idea the numbers of well i can't download seven flicks i've tried a couple of times it still won't download for me and i saw on twitter the other day someone saying that they're watching um a trailer for a movie on seven flicks and it looked like it'd been downloaded from youtube it was so grainy seriously because that's because seven flicks uses some uh, low res sorry correction here uh youtube actually high high definition broadcast so that's something to consider okay i'm just saying you know youtube i think is a better experience than what we're actually seeing signal-wise on some of the free right. broadcasters. Uh, the Bachelor, as we mentioned briefly before, starts next week. That will run right through the uh, Olympic Games as, yep. a, as a will offspring and a lot of tens premium product if you like they don't seem to be resting anything there seems to be a little bit of a buzz about the bachelor this year hey look you know you open up tv week there's the fold out poster then you take off the cover of the magazine you've got a poster with all the girls for you to put up in your office and put across through them as they get voted out week by week brilliant marketing around it um 
uh, I saw a, a press release go out to say that, you know, anyone who wants to arrange a bachelor party next Wednesday night, I think they register on the Facebook page and they'll get a personal phone call from Richie, the bachelor, who'll <laughs> ring the party at a designated time and wish them a good night. I mean, look, that's brilliant. Yeah. If you're a bunch of girls that are going to get together and have that thing, that'd be a hilarious thing to happen, to get a phone call and put on speakerphone sit around. That's a great marketing idea. I think they're really clever the way that they're building this into an event um, and trying to make this a kind of a group experience for everyone. It's good marketing. Yeah. What I find fascinating about The Bachelor, and this is maybe just a 2016 thing, culturally, we just seem to be in this position where people are really talking about uh, women and like the sort of feminist agendas sort of coming to the top. The Bachelor is completely counter to that, and that is real old school, old style romance. I don't think it's harmed at all. Like, I think everyone still wants to, you know, sort of consider themselves as this sort of, you know, hardcore feminist while still embracing this sort of old school romance. I just find The Bachelor just occupies this interesting space where people are willing to look the other way on what they might be tweeting about all day and just go, The Bachelor, what a fun bit of TV. Oh, yeah, that's escapism. That's a, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's just a bit of it's escapism. Weird. And I can't wrap my mind around exactly what it is, but people are cool with it. I'm probably noting the 10 promos more than, than elsewhere at the moment because I've been watching MasterChef and uh, uh, thankfully that comes to an end soon and I can start looking at other things. But uh, the a lot of promos for Survivor, and I yeah. know you've been very keen on this, uh, Dan, keeping up with what's going on. Are you enjoying the uh, the promos? Do you think they've been doing a good job? I don't really watch any Channel 10, no. so well, I don't see the promos. give you this big build-up no, and then you tell me well, you no, don't, I don't watch you could have pretended. Survivor's going to be the one thing that really gets me watching 10 this year yeah okay except the one thing that's dampening my enthusiasm yes. is Survivor glorious looking show I know they've invested a lot of money in it I'm sure it looks amazing when I try watching the videos on YouTube to see the promos they're all low res uploads I don't know what they're doing they should be highlighting the fact this looks gorgeous everything is in like 480p and it seriously very good. that Destiny's Child hit from you know 15 years ago Survivor that's the theme music oh my god I like, I like the promo but then they played that music and it's like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Is that a Destiny's Child song? I'm a survivor. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, I'm sure they've been using that for the last 15 years all around the world to promote Survivor. Uh, you guys are too picky, to. picky. Look, the resolution, the music, come on, look, focus. It on. does look good, though. I'm, I'm liking the promos now where there's. But I'm getting to break used to some the of characters. the characters already. Correct. Which, even though you get a bit tired of repetitive things, but I am starting to remember some yeah. of the characters. I think, and I suddenly think, well, I'm going to be interested in her journey. Yeah. And, and and what happens, you know? And I, and I guess they're picking out people who might be making a bit of noise. You know how, like, at the start of MasterChef, they'll focus on a few people and other characters will hardly get any airtime. So the ones we're seeing, I'm guessing they'll be um, getting up to um, hijinks in some of those early episodes. I'm going to watch it. I, I never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I watched that first episode where they arrive so that I can tweet funny things. And then I'm out. I don't watch any of those fake dates. But... I'm going to watch Australian Survivor. I'm going to give it a go. And if it's good, I'll, I'll uh, watch the whole thing. Yeah, no, I'm amped for it. I just wish they'd do more to get me enthused. So with the Olympic Games coming up, it could be a good time for the streaming companies, right? So people think, okay, I've got a bit of... If I'm not into sport, I might finally get into my Netflix or my Stan or my Presto Investigate what's going on. 
a lot of news about Netflix this with this week with their. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? The sort of interest in Netflix financially in this market, even though it's a US listed company. If the shares move, it's sort of a big news story here because they've managed to embed themselves into that entertainment conversation. Yeah, I think it just comes down to the idea that everyone's interested in Netflix because it's the you know unofficial broadcast channel everyone's watching nowadays. If you look at the number of subscribers of Netflix in Australia compared to the other streamers, like it's the go-to I think for people's digital entertainment, and they're naturally interested. And the thing is that when you see stories about the share price, it's kind of that thing where people want to support their favourite things and see how it's going. It's the same curiosity people have for TV ratings, and you can't do that with Netflix. So you look at the share price. Yeah, yeah, where people don't really care that much, do they? But it's just a little aside, mm. especially if you're a, a, a subscriber, you sort of feel you know compelled to sort of know what's going on. Are they going to yeah. stay in business? Will they go broke? What's doing? Well, so they're you guys. It's like supporting your local football team. You know, you invest your ten dollars a month, and you want to be part of that. Now, Dan, Dan, there's been a lot of office chat this week about Stranger Things. Yeah, justifiably so. <laughs> it's now, really good. Fill us in. I mean, I know nothing. Okay, uh, drama series. They dropped the trailer for this about three or four months ago. Winona Ryder was in it, and that caught my attention immediately. So I was pretty keen to give it a look. Um, I'm on their media list, so I get the screeners sort of ahead of time. So about a week and a half ago, I sat down and watched the first episode, and I figured it'd be the same experience I usually have with Netflix, which is I watch one or two episodes, I think it's quite good, but I don't like watching on a computer screen, so I'll just wait until it actually comes onto proper Netflix and watch it all there. Couldn't do it with this show. I was so into it that I think six, seven episodes in, and yeah, that was my evening taken care of. This is a drama series. It's essentially it kind of feels like an early 80s Steven Spielberg inspired yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's kind of um, E.T. meets the Goonies, meets Explorers, and the entire series is an homage to like this sort of VHS um, Hollywood fair that I grew up watching. So it starts out very Spielberg-like. As the series goes on, it becomes a little bit more um, 80s sort of horror. So it reminded me a lot of Stephen King and things like Firestarter, if you remember those sort of gems from the mid to late 80s. Um, all the stuff I grew up watching on videotapes and you know, late night on Channel 7 really great drama series and so at the centre of it you've got four kids one of them goes missing uh, possibly abducted you don't really know you know though because you're sort of familiar with the genre there's some sort of monster that's taken the kid so all the adults think his kid's been abducted but his friends get on their bikes ride around the neighbourhood and try to find their friend it's very charming it's a lot of fun getting overtones of uh, Kettering here whether a kid goes missing and the, there might be a monster or yeah well it's a... it's not dissimilar I mean Kettering's a lot more serious in tone like this yes, is really funny yeah. and bright yeah. and so it's charming. a bit of a comedy too is it? there's jokes in it in the same way a Spielberg movie has jokes in it while also propelling the narrative forward whereas Kettering is very dour and all the episodes are there it's Netflix, so yeah, all so, yep. 13 episodes. Oh, sorry, eight episodes for the first season of this. Okay. So it's a shorter run than most Netflix shows. Okay. They, uh, Netflix announced this week they're going to be doing more Making a Murderer, mm. which is sort of interesting news. But for me, I'm telling you, if this guy, <laughs> this guy doesn't get off, yeah. I'll feel ripped off again. So I sat through all that first season. Just and then spoiler alert here, if you haven't watched that first season, uh, hit the pause button now. Yeah. <laughs> um, he doesn't get out, you know. It's yeah. just, a, it's just, you know, not. I mean, it's fascinating watching the process and all this, but gee whiz, it's a, uh, it's hard to stay up 
when you watch all that, you know, it's just that guy, challenge after challenge, and the system just beats him. You know? mm. Interesting decisions to do a second series following the same story and not just start an entirely new murder case. And I think it's really Netflix learning from the failure of Serial Season 2, the podcast series, where they went for an entirely different thing for that second season, and the social conversation dropped out entirely on that. I don't know what their listenership is, but from what I can tell, no one seems to be listening in the same way. Okay. Okay. And um, I gather some uh, news from Comic-Con at Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, a third season, is it? Yeah, which isn't a huge surprise. But the thing with the Marvel Netflix series is that they've got these plans to dovetail all four of the series they're running into a uh, team series, effectively. Okay. So in the same way the movies, they'll lead to the Avengers, all the TV characters are leading to the Defenders. And so that's sort of gearing in. But the thing is that once you've launched that as a fifth series, there's the temptation to start doing other characters. Like already the Punisher, who was a character in the second season of Daredevil, is being spun off into his own series. I think Electro, the female sort of um, hero from that second series of Daredevil as well, I think they're looking at her for a series. And then there's other Marvel characters they want to do. So I'm wondering how many Marvel shows Netflix can support in this. Like, they obviously don't want to cancel anything, but mm. what do they my, do? my question for you then, Dan, about this, the whole, say, the Marvel brand, right, as, mm. as movies and television, the quality and production between a movie and, say, what and what Netflix presents, yep. is there a lot of difference? Uh, considerable difference, but they've been really smart with the Netflix uh, Marvel TV shows. And keep in mind, there's two strands of the TV shows. There's the Netflix ones, and then there's the ones I've done on broadcast TV on ABC. Yep. The ABC ones are garbage. Okay? Really? Yeah, like they're just not very good. And part both of this, production wise and content, and, and just like, storylines. Yeah, I'd say both. They've got their fans, but I don't think they're really. So Netflix has a higher production quality than. Well, that's interesting. Isn't it? Very interesting. But the difference is the ABC ones aspire to be sort of Hollywood productions on a small screen. Okay. The Netflix ones are really smart in taking some very street level characters. So these aren't your heroes with like major superpowers, but they're the ones who've got one or two smaller powers that they can sort of play around with. And they really do sort of great human stories. They're really grounded. They're a bit darker. They really sort of get to the essence of these characters in a way that you can't with free-to-wear broadcast, just, you know, nonsense, fluffy TV. They're using the form and structure that you can do with the Netflix show and take it to its maximum potential. And I think people are responding in kind. Andrew Mercado, do you... What, what's your relationship with Netflix? Uh, my relationship is that I'll only watch an original TV series that I'm keen to watch. I watched the first episode of Stranger Things. I was distracted by the end of it. I should, probably should have watched two mm. to get hooked in. Um, you know, I like Grace and Frankie and stuff like that. Uh but yeah, I'm just really looking at those original series that stand out for me. And that's the way it goes with all those streaming services. I don't use streaming services to, hey, I might watch a movie on Friday night. It's all about this new series is there. I want to watch that show. There's only one place to watch it. I've got to go get there to watch it. And the way Netflix is built, like I don't think Ted Sarandos and the guys at Netflix think that Andrew Mercado is going to sit down and watch every Netflix series. Really, they are catering towards very specific niches with their yeah. programs and just making sure that even if you watch say three Netflix originals that shows that you're going to love and want to well like, it's just enough for. isn't it to yeah. make you keep your subscription because their yeah. movies are crap right. yeah I reckon. I reckon rubbish well I reckon in general Netflix is so overrated yeah in terms of their content yeah well I, particularly with movies I hardly ever watch anything on Netflix to be honest but I wouldn't think of getting rid of my subscription yeah because there's one or two things I'd, I'd want to have there when they're available yeah I think in terms of the ongoing productions Amazon where I've watched most of their originals now like they've 
actually got a much more successful strike rate for just high quality great series so I mean Netflix are producing more so like, that's something to consider with this but Amazon are I think maybe really the ones to look at so Amazon I could watch Amazon if I have an um, well it's we're still in not. a period here where it's not really it's not no, but if I have a what do you call it the um, like if you if you get a VPN and a VPN yeah and so that's all I need on Prime yeah okay. okay okay so you can do that now monthly in the US or for a year subscription how are they sort of very um, picky on sort of thinking oh this mightn't be an authentic one or they don't seem to really mind if they're just oh Amazon because I'm already an Amazon customer are they going to pick up that you're I'm, an Amazon Prime subscriber no no just, a, oh, just an, an Amazon customer you have to subscribe retail. to Prime which is I know but are they going to pick up oh look this guy's already a customer lives in Australia what, you can get away why is he pretending he's in the air yeah. so it's, it's, it's not, not hard to get around yeah. I have yeah. found that the only media company in the world that even though I was using you know a VPN and things like that the only media company in the world that uh, actually realised I was in Australia and called me out on it and said no was the BBC in London really yeah you know Every, every, and someone had just said to me, they've just invested in a whole bunch of technology to, you know, really kind of bypass VPNs and hole or on Google Chrome and all so that sort of stuff. So that's for iPlayer, it would be. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. You try, you try to, to go into BBC iPlayer and go, look, I know this is coming to Australia in a few weeks, but I might just want to watch it here. If anybody would have cracked that, it'd be Dan Barrett if you'd done um, that. Too. I will say it's not that difficult to get <laughs> access to iPlayer. Uh, but what I will say is that if you do want to watch some of the Amazon originals, uh, there are quite a few of them on stand. So they don't have yeah, all of okay. them. There's still a few outliers. And unfortunately, Red Oaks, which I think is the best of the lot, that hasn't gotten played. And what yet. about the one about uh, after World War II, the Nazis won and New York's got, you know, SWAT's in Times Square. What's yeah, that so called? The man in the... The man in the high castle. Right. And that's America split into two. So oh, Japan... Yeah. Japan yeah. take half the country and Germany take <laughs> half. That sounds really good. But, sounds and fantastic. I think David Knox put that in TV tonight yeah. this week is one of the series that's out there that still doesn't have an Australian distributor. It, it is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, you just mentioned then being distracted watching the first episode of Stranger Things. I mean, that happened to me during the first episode of Kettering. Uh-huh. And I was a bit worried. I felt a bit like, oh, I'm, the, I'm not with the cool kids here. So I made the effort to re-watch it. And, and are you rewarded oh, now? absolutely. Yeah. It's just amazing. I'm not one of those people that can multitask. If I'm sitting there trying to do Twitter or check my emails, yeah. Yeah. I can get distracted. I oh, go, yeah. Oh, what happened? Mm-hmm. And unless I stop and go back, I'll just... And I get to the end of the show and I think... Mm, Kettering incident is the... Uh, I know I'm jumping ahead here to what yeah. we're going to say at the end. It's the outstanding Australian series for me this year. It's really fantastic. And I think that, you know, another brilliant, you know, masterstroke, they say, from Brian Walsh, who decided not to air it last mm. year when it was going to air later in the year. He said, no, this is a winter series. Which of course, you know, let people in the industry say there must be something wrong with it. And, <laughs> and I mean, programming-wise, it did seem to come. It came. Wentworth's on air Secret City's on air Secret City finished on the Sunday Kettering finished on the Monday it was like oh, give me a give me a chance to breathe here uh but it, it is a winter show. It is meant to be watched in the coldest months of the year. And I think Kettering Incident has been outstanding. Yeah. And I've watched six episodes. Oh, it's wow. the one sh- show that when the media preview comes in, I go, yes, I've got two episodes to go. And uh, which I'm very, really relieved because episode six finished and I just about put an axe through the TV. I went, is that <laughs> it? Is that how it's going to end? And then I like looked it up and went, calm down. There's mm. two more to go. Okay. That's not the ending. Now, it's great. Dan- 
Dan, I, no I was just going to say the series creator Vicky Madden, like I think, just needs to be incredibly proud about what she's done. With yes. The show. Yeah. Now I, I want to hear again. You might have talked about this before, but you were lucky enough to go on the Foxtel trip down to Tasmania. Mm. Uh, just refresh us again some of the things you did that would be of interest to people who are watching the show? Um, it was a bit of a strange trip in th- because obviously the production had wound down sort of quite a bit before then. The idea for a lot of the journos going there was to get a, really a feel for Tasmania. Mm. And if you watch the Kettering incident, it's really about that sort of lush mm. forest. It's about the darkness of it. And I think that's what they were really trying to sort of um, impress upon the journalists that were there. So basically we spent an entire day and it was a weird day, but I enjoyed it. There was a lot of beers long through the day as well, which goes a long way. Uh, but basically they just took us around to like like very sort of um, lookouts and through sort of... But not actual locations they'd used in the um, So, I mean, there were locations. So, like, when I was watching the uh, TV show, I could recognise things that seemed familiar. Okay. But because I wasn't sort of really in deep into the show at that stage yet, I didn't really recognise that much. But the idea was mood and feel. And then we got time to chat with some of the And cast there were some cast and some of the yeah. creators? Most of the cast were all there. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, was Vicky, Vicky there. Vicky. Uh, but in terms of the actual creators of the show, Vicky Matt was there uh, producer of the show were there as well so got to have a chat with them uh, but yeah I spoke to Vicky Madden and you can find most of that interview in the Media Week uh, on mediaweek.com.au and take a read of it there but yeah like her real inspirations was a lot of Scandi Noir mm. but then a lot of the British drama so she's been working in the UK for a little while now and has spent a lot of time really throwing herself deep into a lot of UK storytelling and you can find that in Kettering it feels a little bit like a uh, UK reflection of Scandi Noir. With a huge dollop of Twin Peaks. Yeah. But then also with that very distinctive Tasmanian yeah. sort of feel as well. But it's, sort of, it's better for me than Twin Peaks because Twin Peaks was perhaps a little bit more out there yeah. which some people appealed well, to but I, I, I like that that it's maybe pulled back a little bit. Well, so see we still don't know in Kettering whether it is out there. No true. You see they're still hedging their bets. Yeah. Is, is this just a couple of blokes up on the <laughs> you know up on the mountain doing something you know. With a torch, the yeah. difference with this and Twin Peaks is that Twin Peaks is about the weird quirky characters existing within this. Kettering is very much tonal and feels like the opening credits of Twin Peaks rather than the show itself. Yeah mm. yeah. Location wise it feels like Twin Peaks with those mm sort of long lingering shots of the forest and you know the bird life and all that sort of stuff but yeah it's still it's still got its own Australian identity Dan do we know what Vicky Madden might be doing next uh, I think she is keen to start on a second series of Kettering oh really yeah. okay. but I'm not too sure um, I'm sort of in semi contact with her on Twitter so I might ask her and see yeah yeah yeah, yeah dig it out she's doing. that'd be good that'd be good um Let's I mean, the second season would have to be a dead cert, sorry, given the ratings that it's had. The ratings are outstanding You'd think for Foxtel. So, but, I, but I'm hoping it's a completely different storyline because I'd like to see a resolution of this one. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, if it's going to continue, that means we're going to be left on a cliffhanger. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Come on. Well, the thing to keep in mind, uh, first of no all... spoilers here, please. Well, I was going to say, there's no second season that's been announced yet. And the general joke on the set tour that I did was a lot of the producers and actors in a sort of joking going, oh, you know, Brian, second season of Kettering. So <laughs> clearly it's very much on their minds and it's obviously by the fact it hasn't been commissioned yet, like maybe Fox was a little bit reticent to do it. But in terms of second season, I think you're definitely going to see one being built and one of the things that Vicky Madden did when writing it is she actually got a writer from Sydney and I'm struggling to think of his name right now. It's very annoying. It'll come to me as soon as I stop getting off the microphone. Sure. But he was brought on really to help her build up the mythology around it all. So there's clearly a much bigger idea and story that they've kind of structured around the series. So she wrote the first episode and then brought this guy 
audience and build it up. So you're probably going to find by the time you hit episode eight that there is enough of the world built to move into. And one final thing to say about Kettering to me is it's it's such a surprise that it's so fantastic, given that Clever Man was touted as being you know the most amazing thing we'd done in that genre, and it was highly original. That and you know I watched all of Clever Man and it was good, but you know I was losing interest by the end of it. To me, it didn't it didn't live up to its hype. Um, whereas Kettering has exceeded what wasn't a lot of hype beforehand. It's the world building aspect to it. So I don't think that Clever Man really did enough to support the world it was building. It did a lot of world building, but there just wasn't any real texture to it. Mm. Just see here, I was looking at something online here. You can actually do a Kettering incident trip down there. It's a three-day tour. Is it Bruni Island where the um, some of it's set? Uh, possibly. Amazing, yeah. where Henry Nixon goes kayaking and that yeah. great, great yeah. rock formation yeah. out of the sea. Incredible. Which uh, I'm into that show enough that I'd, I'd probably, you know, yeah. think, wow, you know, I, I might, might might get into it. Wasn't Andrew Knight the writer, was it? Uh, no. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to look up his name at the moment. I'm annoyed I can't think of it because he's a really good guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's um, uh, keep talking about... Sorry, the gentleman's name is Mike Jones. Mike Jones. And he's doing some interesting stuff with VR at the moment. There's a really uh, innovative thing he's been doing called VR Noir, yeah. which a lot of people in the Australian industry are quite excited well, about. Well, be exciting. I'm going to be asking you some VR questions soon, Dan. Okay, so my um, element right there. Get get ready, mate. This will keep your interest. Um, let's stay on, on streaming services. Stan, uh, I heard some good things about a series called Power, which hasn't really been across my radar before. I think Series 3 is currently underway. And they've just mentioned Season 5. Wow. So who knows much about Power? Look, uh, is it something to do with 50 Cent? Yeah. Is he one of the executive producers? Uh, yeah. It's an African-American-censored uh, US drama series. I found it was a little bit hacky. I wasn't really too keen on it, but I think that it is definitely speaking to a market that's pretty underrepresented audience-wise. Sure. So I think there's a lot of people that have latched into it, really celebrating it in a way that I don't think it quite stands up when compared against other drama series. Yeah. Apparently it's about a, a nightclub owner or something and yeah. it tells his story. And It's nightclub crime. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Don't sound so dismiss- dismissive. No, it's just that I watched it. I wasn't that keen. <laughs> now, something you are keen on, which is on Stan, I think, is um, The Circus. Uh, yeah. I've be- heard you talking about this on uh, ABC Radio National. I, I, I tuned <laughs> yeah. in by mistake. I, mean, I was trying to get Kyle and Jackie O one morning, and I, I got the Radio National Breakfast Show. That is my core listening audience right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I do a weekly segment with Fran. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so The Circus is a look, it's made by a show time in the US. Each week they produce a mini documentary which is exploring the American political campaign. So they've been following it through the primaries earlier in the year. Uh, this week they are obviously looking at the Republican convention. Next week they'll do the Democrat convention. And within a week they actually turn around like this sort of doco which uh, really looks at not only the people that are running for president but also a lot of the side people associated. So campaign managers, journos that are around and they really try to get a feel for what it's like to be part of the buses that go driving around following these campaigns around and so it's that sort of insider look it's really entertaining it moves really briskly and I don't think it needs to be that into American politics to be able to understand that this shows so much more about the spectacle that surrounds it and less so about like the minutia of American policy 
do they get access from... Are there some people who obviously put up with them more than others, do you think? Can you tell Well, that? definitely. So, I mean, I haven't watched... Like, I'm not current, so I'm about four episodes oh, behind. Come on. So, I'm still in a primary process. Well, how, come, come on. You can't be, like, four no, okay. behind and Especially no, no. where we are now. So, okay, well, let me explain as well. <laughs> um, so, they took a massive gap in their production as well. Okay. So, there was... Where I'm watching is, like, right before the gap. So, they came back, I think, about three or four weeks ago now. So, I just got a few to catch up on. Uh, but, yeah, so you find that there were some people in the primaries of whom were very open to them. So Bernie was incredibly open to them. Uh, Ted Cruz, like, he was really open to them as well. So you saw a lot of inside stuff there, but some of the other candidates, less so. But, I mean, that, I think that just kind of comes with a campaign like that. We've got so many voices and so many people clamouring for access. But they've got a lot of great, like, backstage access as well. So it's definitely one I think that it's built up uh, an, uh, not as many episodes. I think it might be they're up to 12 or something. That's 12 sound 30, right? Yeah, yeah. there. So you can actually binge a few of them now if you yeah. wanted to and, and just And even though it is them. older stuff, like with the primaries, you can still watch it and get something out of it. But if you want to just skip to this week's, like it will still hold up. And when they cover these um, these weeks of the conventions, which mm. presumably they will be, yeah. that could be really fascinating, couldn't it? Oh, very much so. Like we're going to see some insider material that we just haven't really been able to watch this with and the And I CNN suppose that they're going to go right through to the election, presumably. Uh, yeah, I believe that's the plan. So, so, so that, yeah. that, that could be an so, amazing yeah. um, next few months. So they're weekly episodes and I think they drop on Sunday nights in the US. So Who screens it in the US? Uh, Showtime. 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 So it comes out of the Showtime deal with yeah. uh, Stan signed Does it, months ago. Is it uh, a non-biased show? Or oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. It's completely partisan in right. the way they approach the show. Right. So yeah, it's equal time given to Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. Now I haven't seen it when it's really become very Trump focused and I don't know how much access the Trump campaign is going to be giving them going forward. So you might find some biases taking place there. Yeah. But I think they are fairly careful about doing it. And the guys of whom are sort of leading you through it, they're guys from Bloomberg. So it is a reputable news outlet who don't have bias generally. So I get the feeling that it's about time either both Stan and Presto dropped some more... Um even one announcement about a, a commission, you know, yeah. a, a, a new because you could probably get away with it just two a year. Yeah, one for the first half, one for the second half because mm. you you make the announcement a long way out. You have production updates. Yes, you know, you have previews. It yeah. eventually screens. You have the encore screenings, and by that time, it's time for the next one. The cycle goes again. We seem to be sort of running. It's been a while since uh, Wolf Creek was on. There's not much happening. I think Presto was still really lacking a marquee. At, attraction in terms of a, an original commission. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, a home and away telly movie a year no. quite cut, cuts not it. Enough. You know, it's not enough. They need something new it's and original. It's good for a certain demo, but you sure. need something a bit a bit richer, a, a complete original, I would think. Yeah. Something really edgy. Just yeah. To, you know. yeah. Well, I don't know why they're not playing a lot more in that real sort of cheap, low-rent space a little bit and just find some very talented filmmakers that can produce some things with mm. very little cash. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do mean you have to drop a lot of dough, does it? Exactly. I mean, you can, you it know. doesn't need to look as rich and vibrant as Wolf no. Creek. Well, the no activity is the perfect example, yeah. isn't it? Mm. A really simple idea, but with some really hilarious Speaking comedians. of low-rent. Yeah. yeah, but, but it probably it costs worked. nothing. It costs yeah. Nothing and it worked, and, and I agree with you. If if you know, I view can find all of these sort of you know people to make little shorts for them, and they're looking at comedy sitcoms and all this, and doing all this work in the area, trying to find new avenues and new talent and all this. And the other boys are just sitting there. I view almost does too much, doesn't it? Because there's so much does. there you don't really know about it, yeah. people. Because there's there's so much going on. Because you've got all the ABC stuff which sort of dominates, and, yeah. and then there's all of this edgy stuff going wrong in the background. 
around if if Presto or Stan was doing, but that they could really push that out as a as a special. And look, offer. having said that, Presto making sorry Stan doing Wolf Creek was a huge thing, and uh, you know the fact that it's now been sold onto the UK is there a Fox Channel in the UK going to screen it or yeah, something? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Look, that's all fantastic. Um, it's Presto that I look at and think, come on, guys, you're the ones that need to do something in this area. Yeah, I don't know. I think what they really need to look at is if they produce something. You can go sort of reasonably cheap because you can get some amazing looking productions on next to no money. So like that's, I, th- I think, feasible and you can sort of work there. Just take it out of your marketing budget to an extent yeah. and get a reason for people to be logging in on a regular basis to your site. If you're doing it though, you can't go the no activity route where they produce six half hours which stand up very well as half hours in their own right but they weren't bingeable. You need to make sure that if someone's coming in and they've got all six or eight episodes there to watch on the same day yeah. they need a reason to sit there and spend an entire day watching it that's where you find your value proposition if you've spent a lot of time engaging with that platform if you haven't done that which I think no activity I don't think engendered that spirit at all you're not talking to your friends about it yeah. you're not feeling as though oh that was $10 really well spent this month because you just don't have it like you haven't had those points of contact throughout the month mm. I could imagine some programmers listening to this going and oh you can like, get some good content on next to nothing then we go yeah right how <laughs> Dan, well, I mean, get Dan Barrett on the phone. I, but I've used, I need these tips. I've used proven that you oh, can. Well, I know what you I mean. mean yeah, yeah, just yeah. said that they can. Like, yeah. it's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Presto, I, I mean, I just saw their August list has just come out of, of what they're going to be doing. Um, in excess, never tear us apart. Yeah. I mean, we've had to wait a while. <laughs> What's doing? I, I presume this is the first time. Catching the lad drops on I mean, July twenty seven. Seven, I mean, seven is your partner in this business. Yeah. Why have we waited? That's eighteen months. I since. agree. No, it's longer, isn't it? Is it? It's two and a half years since NXS, is it? Yeah. I th- didn't they launch last year with the NXS? I, th- I thought it might have been the year before that. But no, anyway, they whatever with it is. Molly this year, I think they launched with NXS. I thought last it might have been two. But anyway, yeah, whatever it is, eighteen months or or. But that's even too long to wait for Catching the Lat, frankly, on a streaming service. I mean, come on. They're your, your partner in this. Get it yeah. together. 800 words. That's been quite a wait, too. Yep. You know, um, I, I understand Seven want it and put it on their own catch-up service for a while, but I think they've really got to get this partnership gelling a bit better and getting some of the good, good stuff a little quicker. Uh, the dressmaker's making it on, but that's been a while, too, hasn't it? I mean, that was that's... in cinemas last October, <laughs> you know? I mean, they, they did very well with Mad Max. Oh, it's standard. Yeah. But, I mean, and Presto, I've been talking about how they've had, what was their boast Dan they've had like 80 of the top 100 movies or something there was some the stat wasn't yeah, there I can't they've done very well but and their movies are fine but people yeah. aren't really watching these services no. for movies anymore you, yes. you get the no, feeling no, that, no, I agree that's not right no, yeah. it's all about and TV. plus yeah a lot of the best work's been done on television yeah um, Comic Con I wanted to talk about Comic Con and I was reading, Dan, that VR is mm. one of the big marketing tools at Comic-Con this year. Oh. It's really taking off with lots of the booths from the major networks offering uh, virtual reality experiences. About their, around their new TV shows? Yes. Right. Wow. That doesn't surprise me a huge amount. I haven't actually really heard much about what they're actually doing individually. But I know Warner Brothers have invested quite a fair bit into virtual reality experiences. I know they have a Suicide Squad high-end because there's a gentleman in Sydney it was a production company locally that produced the virtual realities high-end for that so like that's something to keep an eye out for and remind me to make a note of that James we should (laughs) should be doing something there 
but yeah, so there are a lot of productions like that that are underway, which are supporting some of the you know larger yeah marquee things that are going to be pushing there. So I'm not too surprised. I know there's a lot of Batman VR stuff, so Warner Brothers are probably pushing a fair bit. I wouldn't be surprised if it's mostly Warner's because they've really invested a lot here. Um, and I, we we were debating this week, Dan and I, about the how uh, TV shows have sort of pushed aside movies at Comic Con. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and sorry, just briefly, we yep. were talking about Stranger Things. Really fascinating this last weekend to watch Stranger Things homage to 1980s VHS classics. Suddenly, that got all of the social attention that I saw. Next, no one was really talking about Ghostbusters, which is a very similar sort of a thing. Where I don't think it's necessarily that the air was sucked out by a lot of the political conversation around Ghostbusters, but I think it was so much more that people just aren't as excited by yeah. the film. And but but you can answer this for me, Dan, because Stranger Things dropped the same time as Mr. Robot, mm. and uh, did Stranger Things take away from the Mr. Robot experience as well? Mr. Robot had a half week sort of head start on it, okay. and Mr. Robot is a weekly week episodic week. okay. release. Okay. But interesting to note, despite all the buzz around Mr. Robot, available here on Presto dropping day and dates, ratings in the US haven't been good. Uh, second episode, which aired yesterday, uh, was about 800,000 people tuned in to watch it. Wow. So not great, but it has got an Emmy Awards now, so like that's probably guaranteed a yeah. third season. Yeah. Okay, we're nearly up to Sorry, our... back to Comic-Con. We're nearly, yeah, we're nearly up to our Olympic programming ideas and then our TV half-year top lists, best-of lists. Um, the TV panels at Comic-Con, I'll run mm. through them yeah. and then just interrupt at any stage with any comments you might think about. Uh, Game of Thrones is sort of a, a gimme, isn't it? But, yeah. but it's, it's good these guys are out there still, yep. still promoting this, you know. Yep. And they've been doing that from the beginning with Game of Thrones. Yep. Fan engagement's really what's driven. Yep. And I've mentioned it before. The uh, I can't remember the names of the two the co-creators. Uh, Benny Off and Weiss. Yep, yep. They produce a great book uh, every series, which is as well worth getting. And if you buy it after the series, you can pick them up on um, on Amazon for next to nothing from the the second-hand dealers. Um, the Walking Dead again. That's sort of, I guess, yeah. That's bread a, and butter. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. their executive producer and creator Robert Kirkman. He's a comic book writer. He's a big presence at Comic Con, yeah. and I think the show just goes hand in hand with that. Yeah. A separate panel for Fear the Walking Dead with the new season about to drop is on FX. Yeah, here, I think. So uh, they usually alternate those. So when there's not the Walking Dead on Fear the Walking Dead, essentially. Yeah. They both alternate. both got panels this this year. Uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Panel would that be about the movie? Is that the movie or, or the new? Well, they call it the TV announced Yes. Um, so they've got the new movie that launched last night in yeah. Australia. Uh, That's old news in the US, well, I guess, almost. There'll be a couple... Oh, well, it's launching this weekend. So, oh, is it? Oh, yeah. okay. So okay. we'd have it like a day before Sorry, in the yeah, US because of the way the movie release schedule works. But they'll have panels to do with the movie. But the panel you're probably looking at is 50 Years of Star Trek, oh, okay. where they are bringing Shatner on stage, a few of the other captains from... And do you think the they'll make any announcements for casting for the new Star Trek TV series for 2017? I totally think they will because the person moderating that panel is Brian Fuller who's the showrunner of the new okay. Star Trek show yeah, yeah, yeah. and also Brian Fuller staff writer on Star Trek Voyager hardcore Star Trek fan and this is his dream project to get up and running so yeah. people love Brian Fuller he's the guy that created Wonder Falls um, Pushing Daisies oh yeah 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 yeah, um, yeah. apparently just finished up with Hannibal he's yeah. the guy that has a huge amount of fan support behind him yeah. and people are very excited to see him doing Star Trek yeah. um 
Mr. Robot was going to be a uh, TV. That would be the first time, would it? Do you think they would have been there uh, I'm last pretty year? sure they did Comic-Con last year. I think it was a pre-show. Like, they probably screened a pilot or something at Comic-Con because they do that quite frequently. And this doesn't mean much to me, but I'm sure you'll know about it. Luke Cage. Luke Cage is Marvel. the new Marvel Netflix series. Uh-huh. So we already know that character because he was one of the regulars in the Jessica Jones series they had earlier this year. And so he'll be sort of spun off into his own series, which... Instead of interest, how many Netflix Marvel series you reckon they uh, they've got four that are currently on the boil, and I guess five if you're talking about Punisher as well. So, yeah, it's a lot. It's been and a then, massive payday for Marvel. Yeah, and and then ever. the Defenders coming as well. So, like, just you know, the, the cash that must be rolling into yeah. that company is mm. just incredible. Um, the Big Bang Theory. Yes. I don't think any of us watch that regularly, do we? Uh, no. I saw no. those repeats that Channel 7 bought absolutely tanked last night, didn't they? Do you think we're finally getting to that point where we're at oversaturation with the Big Bang Theory? You think that people don't watch Big Bang 25 times a week? <laughs> yes, yeah, funny well, still that. a lot of them that do, though. I mean, in reasonable numbers. I mean, often when I think something might be dead, it comes back and there's, yeah. there's a resurgence, you know. But, uh, but yeah, all those, those massive number of repeats certainly have made those premiere episodes numbers taking them down a little yeah. bit um, American Gods American Gods is a Neil Gaiman novel that's been adapted to a TV show by I think it's Showtime and someone else mm-hmm. and pretty anticipated too, sure. too right people love that book like yeah. Neil Gaiman is it's one very book much isn't so. it he's just written one book I, I thought it was a series of books like maybe oh. three books or something but I could be wrong I'm not okay. a huge Gaiman um, fan but yeah like fans are very heavily looking forward to this and it's been one of those TV shows in production getting a fair bit of excitement for a little while so this will be like it's a big sort of coming out party at Comic Con and and the last two we we both get the series here Bates Motel yep which is sort of the psycho prequel series could that be winding up well I believe that in a series and don't quote me because I don't really follow it that closely I think they just reached the point where Norman's killed his mother right so it's definitely reaching the end of that sort of narrative thread but I don't know if that's necessarily right either and the other one was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that is the Marvel ABC TV series yeah yeah. Yep. And I've tried spinning off a few things from it and nothing's really nothing's taken. Worried, Which I think still screens on 7 here, but it goes to air like 11.30 at I night or something. I think it's been dumped to 7 yeah. flicks by now even. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure 7 flicks. and a bit behind. final indignity in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> okay, look, I think we'll go to our best of lists and we'll save the Olympic program to, to wind this little podcast up on. Um, does anyone want to go first? Oh, look, I'll just say that uh, Australian drama-wise, it's really all been about the ABC in Foxtel this year. I mean, the ABCs had Cleverman, Dr. Blake, Barracuda, Jack Irish, Janet King, Rake. Barracuda and Janet King, I both thought were fantastic. Rake absolutely had me laughing out loud for this fourth series. It, you know, every week I roared with laughter. I so hope it's coming back because he, it ended up with Cleaver Green on the steps of uh, Parliament House. He'd just been, you know, elected as a senator and his party, the platform, they stood for nothing. Please, you've, we've got to have Cleaver Green in Canberra, Rake Series 5, bring it back. <laughs> Foxtel, of course, you know, we've mentioned this, Wentworth, Secret City and Kettering Incident. And I think Kettering Incident's been outstanding. I want to give a shout Shout out to Here Come the Habibs on Channel 9 for taking a risk with an Australian sitcom and it worked. Um, And, you know, Seven did Molly, which was good. They did Wanted, which wasn't so good. Ten have brought back Offspring, which jury's still out. To me, we're a little bit into rinse and repeat there. 
Uh, Which was always the danger. Always the danger. And to me, the flops of the year so have been, you know, Kiss Bang Love, The Briefcase, The Seven Year Switch, and Farmer Wants a Wife. I mean, Lachlan, the guy from Married at First Sight, who was put on to Farmer Wants a Wife and still couldn't find a girl there. Like, that's <laughs> the end of his TV career. And that ridiculously long, drawn-out farewell for Brax in Home and Away. They're my misses for the year. Yeah. Uh, I noticed you've got some other comedies there under Habibs. Yeah, look, The Family Law on SBS was great. Black Comedy on uh, ABC was great in a second series. I've started previewing Soulmates Series 2 on the ABC. Yet to find its feet for me. I love the first series. I'm not laughing so much second series. Yeah, I've only watched a few episodes of Soulmates here and there. I need to get back to it, though, because they were doing some pretty innovative stuff on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they spent a lot of money. Um, And also, look, (laughs) from an overseas point of view, I am trying to watch The Night Of, uh, the HBO drama that a lot of critics are calling the series of the year. I had a lot of trouble last night with the HBO media site. It was buffering and I had to stop, but I'm trying to get ahead there. Um, I'm loving Trapped on SBS On Demand. You can watch for free. It's set in an Icelandic village with a snowstorm and a body, headless torso chucked into the waters. Fantastic stuff. You like your Scandi drama. And the third series of The Bridge was just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'd echo Andrew's sentiments with uh, the amount of Australian comedies and dramas we're seeing this year. I've watched more Australian product this year than I have in years. Wow. Doesn't that say something, huh? It's really good. Like, it's it's cut through in exactly the right way. Uh, Some shows that I'd probably put on my best of for the list. Uh, In terms of Australian so far, Secret City, I think, is the one that really sort of did exactly what I'm looking for from the drama. Like, it just spoke to me. It was what I was looking for. I thought it was better than The Code. Two shows set in Canberra. I I actually thought Secret City had the edge. Uh, There was one episode. more Code to come? Yeah, there's a second second series. I reckon it's this year some point. Yeah. Uh, Secret City, there's one episode where it falls it a little bit where they introduce the uh, Keep Australia Safe policy or whatever it was called. That episode a little bit wonky. The rest of it all quite good. I had a slight problem with the transgender, but that's another conversation. Uh, But in terms of other shows, Mr. Robot, I'm pretty excited for the second season. No, you're not excited. You're obsessed. uh, I've gotten a little obsessed. (laughs) Uh, The series back, people weren't really overly excited by it, but I think it's going to take a few episodes. And once I think the revelation happens of what's really going on with Elliot, people go a little bit crazy for because I think I figured that out. Okay. It's a good twist, people. Uh, (laughs) Stranger Things, really good. We've talked about that. Game of Thrones this year, I think, has been one of the better seasons for the last couple of years. First one off the book, and so that's been um, a dangerous time for it. Veep, uh, US HBO comedy, it's the first season for that program where they haven't had the series creator in... um, I can't think of his name now. Um, Armando Iannucci. Oh, wow. uh, The British uh, creator of The Thick of It. Went over to do Veep and created that show. He left the series, and this American guy name out of my head entirely Dave Mandel he's taken over show running for that and it's been better than I think it's ever been so it hasn't hurt it creatively no nah, everyone's loving the season yeah. more wow. universally everyone I, agrees this I saw, heard it's been very blue the language it's very colourful oh, it was, it was blue from the beginning all, yeah, yeah. 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 it just gets continue. more and more creative every season <laughs> um, Silicon Valley has I think been improving season on season uh, surprise engaging show was 112263 not amazing drama but I think everyone was just into it just kind of hit at the right time. And How many episodes of that? Was it that? Uh, it was like eight. I think. I've got to go back. I did never that, finished it. Was that? 
Was that a mystery that had a conclusion, or could that be ongoing? It was a complete one-off thing. So it was it, just a, you felt it was fulfilled, and you got a yeah. It was an adaptation of a Stephen King novel, and in the same way, you go and watch a movie, and it's a one and done. It was a TV series, just eight episodes. It's yeah, wound down because I watched the first episode with you. I That's think That's right. We yeah. see it on the big screen. Presto, and you know, I watched Stan. I watched Sorry. a few episodes on Stan. Then you have to wait week by week, and I've completely forgotten. I've got to go back because Abby Earl from Place to Call Home's in it, isn't she? Uh, no. Did you tell me that? No, no, the girl from Wolf Creek, whose name is a Oh, okay, a different yeah. Aussie actress. Okay, sorry, Abby. Uh, Lucy Fry. Lucy yes. Fry, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Gee, your, yes, yes, your yes. mind's are working overtime. You're it pop- really is. names are popping out. <laughs> I'm doing it. I can never usually do that. <laughs> names are like my biggest weakness. Uh, the Girlfriend Experience, also on stand oh, here. Yes. Uh, I know James, I think he was fairly dismissive when I was first talking oh, about it, it. But then you just came across it yourself and you were going crazy for it. Yeah, no. It's really good. It's a surprising show, not enough people people are talking about um, and then yeah Secret City was my go-to Australian drama and things I'm looking forward to in the next few months Westworld the HBO can't wait oh, can't yes. wait like, yes. that looks very good oh. troubled production I'm very curious to see if it's going to come out okay I'm so excited about Westworld um, and Netflix which they've got the Get Down which is the Baz Luhrmann oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, series uh, it explores uh, punk and um, hip hop I think a lot of people are just going oh, I can't imagine what this is going to be like yeah you know? and what's interesting interesting about this is what I understand is for the first time in Netflix's history they're splitting the first season so I believe we're seeing the first six episodes and then like a back end but then they, that sends out warning signals too to, to people well, who wonder about the production doesn't a it a little bit but like it looks great I want to check this yeah. out okay yeah. okay well, gee whiz, and look, it's still July, and those yeah. lists, you know, it's been an amazing year. It's been an amazing year, and I, I've got to throw in Happy Valley Series 2, which I know you watched, James, and yep. agreed. Yep. Sensational. Absolutely. For what it's worth, here's mine. Look, Secret City I can't put on because I haven't watched yet, so it's going to have to be in my back half list, okay. but I'm sure it'll be good. It is on Fox or any time, so... Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. but I've just got to find the time to watch it. Similarly with The Night Of. been one episode, so I'll put that in my back half. Yeah. Get on to it in the next two or three weeks. Don't leave it too late. I've seen the first one. Okay, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, I'll be I'll, I'll be yeah. up with it. Really captivating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and this will sound harsh, but Game of Thrones. I, I couldn't find a place for them. I've got about fourteen anyway. But I thought <laughs> I've just got to limit it. But yeah, look, it was it was certainly worthy and just amazing. Better than cinema quality scenes. Some of yeah. those battle scenes. Yeah, you don't get stuff like that in movies, you know. Was, yeah, the weird thing with Game of Thrones because I've seen a few episodes on the big screen. Doesn't work on the big screen and it's because the way TV shot is yeah. like short sharp shots yeah. okay? and like while cinema obviously does that to an extent cinema allows things to linger a little bit longer you can't do that on TV you bore the audience and it doesn't work on the big screen it well, feels I'm weird sorry I disagree there on my big screen my 75 inch Samsung <laughs> well, <laughs> it comes up a treat Dan uh, <laughs> I might ask you around one day a similarly girlfriend experience I'd forgotten about it but it should be on the list but I'm sorry it didn't make it yeah. but a great series so here we go I've got a few what other people would call dogs in my list, and I'm quite proud of it. And all right, and I'll start, start with one of them. Yes, yeah. vinyl. You know, it's <laughs> controversial, but look, I couldn't get enough of that. I just loved it. The, Where's Rodie's on this list? The imagery, the, the recreation of it was, you know, yeah. just wonderful. And for similar reasons, I'm putting Rodie's on there because I enjoy the work of Cameron Crowe. 
some of my all-time favourites. I, I won't even go there to roadies. I'm the sorry. Episode so terrible. Well, forget the yeah, forget the reviews. But Come Cameron on. Crowe's disappointed me so oh, badly over the it. last few stop years. It. I don't think I, he can hurt me Mate, again. I'm, don't think I'm the guy there. who made Almost Famous. I'd do anything for him. All right. And apparently um, you are because you're watching roadies. <laughs> Should be called groupies. <laughs> episode three is a cracker. And while we're on shows that people think are dogs, Top Gear and Top Gear Extra look really good. You know, okay, there's a few issues with the hosts, but in terms of production quality, just the the just the experience, you know, they they took a they took a Rolls Royce on a road it was not was a road test, it was like a challenge, but through the most wonderful Irish countryside and it was just stunning TV. It was just really good. Um, and I'm just sad nine sort of just I thought gave it away this one week. week. They just gave pushed it, it on week. and I mean I didn't see many promos. Other people tell me, yeah, they thought they did a reasonable job promoing it, but I, I didn't see much of that. Um so I won't comment on that. Some of the other stuff, yep, Molly, brilliant. Yep. Happy Valley, again, I agree with you on that. But as I've said before, it was a harrowing watch. Harrowing. It, it wasn't a cheery thing. <laughs> and I'm very nervy about an, another season. I just don't know if I can handle it, you know. It was just, it was almost, it was quite depressing at times. Um, Kettering Incident, yeah, just brilliant. Similarly, Barracuda, again, under my rules, Barracuda should be the, the second half because we've only two episodes yeah. in as we record this. But well, that, all Available on iView. Yeah. Oh, are these everything yeah. there? Oh, there you go. Well, tick that box. But yeah. Matt Noble. Oh, oh Matt Noble. Oh, performance. Noble, sorry. How, male performance from an Australian how, actor of the year for me. Huh? Matt Noble, best actor next year. Hello. Oh. Well, also, coach in Paracuda. <laughs> we're astounding. We're also going to see him in Channel 9's oh, uh, Hide and Seek. Yeah. Well, how yeah. good does that look? Oh, it does look good. I'll tell that. you why. But the fact he's in it, tick on, what, on there. There's yeah. an actor that's and just his, been coming His underbelly, I reckon, was close. Better and better and better. The Valley season there was does. too. It was just so good. I did one of his books at home. I keep meaning to read it. Like the guy's he's so amazing. God, we did a podcast with him, me and Brendan once. He's got a he's got a rugby league career. Yeah. He's played serious yeah. rugby league. He's he's written. He's acting, and he was he's been in some Hollywood stuff too. Yep. I think hasn't he? Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. In, in, incredible guy. I think he's in one of the most recent CW DC superhero yeah. things. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I did a set visit of Hide and Seek. Oh, okay. Did you? Yeah. Okay. So we'll hear more about that as, mm. uh, when we get around to it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um, unreal. Oh, yeah, I yeah. had doubts about this second season after yeah. watching the first episode. Critics oh, haven't been that sort of oh, keen mate, on Come on. <laughs> look, is that an argument for something to me about critics? Well, like? based on some of the other shows on your list. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, I'm happy to be, you know, uh, off on another tangent. But uh, Unreal is just fantastic. Yeah, it's been it, really good this it season. Is, it is so good. Those, I haven't dipped in yet. I was going to get a few episodes. Yeah, and the characters deliver. The, the actors portraying those characters yeah. are doing a great job. It, it is just so funny. And just every element they get right Even yeah. minor minor things like the host the host of the I mean he's such a minor character but he just does it perfectly he just he's he's just a really minor role but it's just hilarious his work and just you know everything's everything they get it right um, Master Chef I won't bang on that about anymore but uh, I think this has been a great season 10 have been rewarded with the ratings Look, there'll be over 60 episodes by the time they finish you know, just financially to 10's bottom line it must just do wonders you know, because I'm I'm sure it uh, really brings in some revenue. So, kudos to uh, Endemol Shine who yeah. continue to do a, a great job with that program. Doctor Foster. Oh, 
Amazing. Huh? Wow. Amazing. And that got bagged by a few people. Right? Oh, how could they? Amazing. <laughs> and BBC, check it out. Tom Hollander, who I've just started to get into, and he was also in The Night Manager. Yeah. I think it was Corky in The Night Manager. Yeah. Great little character. But, hey, well, he was good. Check him out. There's a TV show called Rev, which uh-huh. you can find on Stan yeah, here. Yeah, so there's three seasons of it. He plays a uh, priest for a local congregation that is uh, not particularly well attended. Uh, it's like an inner city congregation. Like he's an Anglican. He's not a priest. He's yeah, an sorry, Anglican. Anglican. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really funny, just interesting sort of drama. You won't see any sort of comedy like this. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yep. And I, I know, and also I night manager, obviously, yeah. as part of that. Uh, well, what a cast, you know, that yeah. um, amazing, amazing collection of people. Yeah. Even if you don't buy into the story at times, you, yeah. just watching those people at work and interacting with each other, it's just wonderful stuff. And um, Billions. I've got to say, I really love Billions on Stan. Part of that showcase deal. Um, fantastic little series. Just, just really nice. Okay, let's wind this up. Olympic programming. Seven are going to be all over it. Uh, Dan, so seven are devoting... All their multi-channels? What are they doing? Every single broadcast channel I've got over the period of the Olympics, all Olympics, uh, they're launching an app on the 1st of August where you'll be able to watch every event as it happens. Uh, I think it was Channel 9 for the uh, like London Olympics had 300 hours. They're doing 900, I think, for oh, Channel 7. Good. Yeah, it's massive. Wow. And they'll be on the app, will there be like pop-up channels? So, yeah, basically, I think they've got, I don't have the figures. So watch nearly everything live well everything live so basically you'll be able to choose whatever in the middle of the night isn't it Andrew, don't get bogged down in little minor details. <laughs> or... Well, actually, it's not quite that bad. Uh, so the hours like actually sync up quite favourably to Australia. So a lot of prime time will be late morning here, won't it? Around that, lunchtime, stuff like that. That's it. So you're going to find some events might start kicking off at five in the morning, but you'll find okay. like swimming and stuff is going like about nine, ten in the morning. Yeah. So like people will be able to watch the events they care about Sneaky in a reasonable time. Yeah, you're not going to be up at three in the morning watching no, stuff. It's, no. Yeah, maybe the occasional sacrifice here and there, but <laughs> people will be fine. Yes. But yeah, basically, it'll just be like the other apps that we've seen where there'll be so many boxes on the screen, you just click through to the event. So if there's an event live, they'll be covering it. Now, knowing you, did you do you know the detail about the resolution quality of this the streams on this app? We're talking on Friday. <laughs> uh, I'm talking to Clive Dickens, the head of tech, on Monday morning. So okay. I have those answers for you. So there. watch out on uh, Media Week, both online or in our magazine. Yeah, well, in the next issue of the for, magazine, for we're re- going to have You're going to really dissect um, yeah. the, the Olympic offering. Mm. Okay, well, 10 have said they're going to go through with um, keep all their, their regular programs, so things like um, The Bachelor, um, um, well, Offspring, all the all their, their shows that are doing really well, uh, they will keep them running. Survivor? They see that. Are they no, Survivor, Survivor won't start till okay. after the games. No, <laughs> they're not going to go all over. But they just they think there's an opportunity there to to get some of that audience. And uh, like up, when MasterChef ran up against the State of Origin games, it still did really well. It's still yeah. nearly a million people. So it, it really held its 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 numbers. I've had a couple of ideas. I mean. Nine isn't 
isn't I think nine is some people say playing dead but I'm not sure if it's that bad but they're not going to launch I think they've stopped a lot of their key products they, they haven't got anything big starting the block will start after the game it does feel very dead at the moment it does it? Yes. really absolutely yeah mm-hmm. I'm a bit on. hesitant to use that word but yeah there's um it's not that exciting yeah. at the moment so I had a couple of ideas all right then I'll ask you chaps any ideas look the block they've got 10 series of the block I don't think nine ever what about the best of the blow-ups on the block because even though so they're a little bit manufactured but I think some great highlight shows out of 10 seasons you know some and I think back some of the classic couples in those first couple of seasons I think that stuff would would resonate with some audiences the best reveals I mean they're always the biggest watched episodes when people show off the finished rooms and I think they have some great stuff for that you could certainly do with reveals given the fact the show's been going so long now you could look at what was considered chic absolutely then as to what's absolutely chic now do yep. that kind of history I think some of it might hold up quite well I think too. it might too there'd be, there'd really be a couple of shockers I'm sure yeah and then I'd like too to see a summary of the uh, results because they're setting amazing records for the amount of money these people are walking away with yeah so let's detail that that'd be another special too megabucks I'm sure if you add up all the money it, is it 10 or 20 million what it's an amazing amount in mm. total that they've been able to create mm. for the contestants over the years and that would certainly be an amazing and that's in a great prequel series wouldn't it absolutely yeah. absolutely and then some binge nights what about some binge nights uh, some themed programming yeah. for some of the content that nine either owns or has the rights to I think so maybe they're some of their classic mini series or, yeah. or, or stuff like that yeah package some of that stuff up and movie themed evenings uh, this would be right down your alley hosted by someone like Andrew Mercado oh, with a little bit of an intro someone who's keen enthusiastic you know yeah. it's great sitting here close to you watching you go on about things you enjoy like neighbours you know you, it's just the enthusiasm rubs off on you I've mm. listened to you I think I've got to get home and check out neighbours you know yeah. and, and you're very enthusiastic about lots of uh, Australian drama very. Australian movies yeah. so there's great opportunities for themed and we're seeing Channel 7 do that at the moment with the um, the Bourne series they're running a Bourne movie every Monday night we'll do it over a short you know run three a night started early or something you know yeah. 7.30 run a couple back to back people record these days and keep it on file for, for future watching what do you think guys great ideas well I think they're, I think they're great ideas I think that block one there's really something in the block yes um, I think there's a lot of movie stuff going on particularly on a weekend if you look at the those digital channels they're all over the shop and quite frankly whoever is programming SBS2 they're the genius at the job. moment in terms of You've said that finding before, shows that yeah. match up. You know, like I've John Boehm. Is his that name. his name? Yeah. Well, he's brilliant. I've, I've, you know, he puts like Kurt Russell in Death Proof on and then follows it up with Ryan Gosling in Drive and makes <laughs> it a rev head night. You know, mm. it's just really, really good themed stuff. And I'm a big fan of theming movie nights and saying to someone, if you come to our channel and watch one, want to sit up late, we'll give you a It's a double feature. We'll give you something else in the same vein. That's great. But look, I'm a big fan of the marriage. And I think, you know, I think back to 2000 when all eyes were on seven for the Sydney Olympics and Foxtel went, we're going <laughs> yep. to do nothing but back-to-back Simpsons. I mean, that mm. was brilliant. You know, I don't know what show you'd do that for today, but I think that the Olympics is an opportunity to say to someone, to say to a female-centric audience or say to an audience who isn't in sport, mm. we're going to put some of your favourite shows on. They're just going to be playing all the time and we'll dedicate it well, to 
to be Foxtel's bread and butter on a public holiday. Yeah. Every channel used to run a marathon. I yeah. think a lot of them still do, but it's not. They don't hype it up as much as I they used the to. The Comedy Channel announced that the they were doing that's a, right. The Comedy yes, Channel has got do yeah sixteen days yeah. of. Uh, so every day is a different marathon. And yes. Thing, which have you noticed that Triple One Hits has changed their name to Triple One Funny? No. <laughs> have a no. look on your EPG. Well, there we go. Triple One Funny. So well, that's is that competition for Comedy Channel? Except they kind of do the is that older, more sitcom funny. Though, they're more sitcom funny, okay. yeah. But and but it's like, well, what happened to the great old classics of TV? Do they get shunted off to Fox Classics now? Anyway, hmm. so when TV hits sort of became Triple One Hits. Yeah. Well, they had another name before that Triple One Hits too. Didn't well, that, yeah. Did they? Oh, I don't know. Well, but anyway, it's had yeah. a lot of incarnations anyway. Yeah. Okay, Dan, have you got an Olympic programming suggestion? Well, I don't know. I was trying to think about what sort of works against the Olympics. So I think that your audience of whom are looking for mainstream event reality shows, they're probably watching the Olympics. I think the crossover audience are probably fairly in line there. So, I mean, I'd probably be looking at maybe not necessarily something like the block which you were suggesting and like dig out some of the older classic moments from that. But if you could do maybe sort of a cheap studio thing, remember a few years ago, Nine were doing a few events like there was the National Drivers Test. Yes. And a few mm, things like that. Yes, mm. the National IQ test. Yeah. That was the big one. Yeah. That did amazing numbers. So stage a couple of those sort of staggered throughout the Olympics. Eddie so McGuire and... Um, Katrina Roundtree. Katrina Roundtree, yeah. yes. So like maybe do one or two of those wow. and sort of put the midweek. Just drive a bit of attention yeah, that way. Yeah, talking. Yeah. And then drop in a few other things sort of here and there. I, think I don't know if you could those... and make it live. Yeah. The mm-hmm. other thing, if I was Channel 9... And your is promo like... is, don't watch recorded yeah. Yeah, highlights from what's happened earlier in the day yeah. the Olympics. Yeah. We've got live action. You watch the live event that all of Australia will be watching at the same yes. time. Yes. Yeah. But then I was also thinking about like some scripts and stuff as well. Channel 9 have got their deal with Stan. I know they said they weren't going to do this, but why not grab Wolf Creek and pop it in there as a thing? It's There's been enough time for it to get the attraction. it's too early for Wolf Creek. See, I think it's had enough time to get the attraction on yeah. Stan. I think the buzz has kind of come off that. Put it on there. Build up the brand again. Now, what you do is just show a couple of them. To watch the rest, uh, you've got to watch. You've got to do the whole no, thing. No, you don't. But if Why? it's not at the same time as the Olympics, it's free. You don't have to give them at all. Nah. It's, it's the first half. I don't know. Was I think that you're doing your broadcast viewers a disservice. No, if you you're don't not. You're, it off. Done, you're not. You're doing them a favour. No, I'm not so sure. <laughs> However, uh, I think you put on like that. You've got to have enough people watching the Olympics that you're not going to drive away all of your viewers that won't come back to stand at some point. Yeah. But have it as a bit of an event thing. Well, I just do it across three. These nights, are not charities, Dan. These people are running a business. I know they're running a business. <laughs> James <laughs> they turn a profit I think that's a good idea three yeah. of them and then watch yeah. the rest here what about a marathon of the Real Housewives of Melbourne for the female centric I mean that is a show that Foxtel should be on selling to commercial TV I know it's one thing yeah, for them but, to say but Foxtel are big on keeping the I know they want to keep that but this franchise is a little just bit just as a sampler to, you reckon yeah to dramas and all this you know I don't think you need to keep those shows I, I think if you were to sell the first three series of um, Melbourne Housewives to someone and commercial three TV seasons. screens that they got three in the can and then now you've got Sydney coming down the line and then Melbourne. I mean, next year that becomes an audience. You're mm, going to have to true. get Foxtel to watch it. It's true. You could, and now that Foxtel's a shareholder in 10, you'd probably do a good deal with 10, couldn't you? Yeah. I'm just wondering, are we going to get to see the New Zealand one, Real Housewives yeah. in New Zealand? I, yes, in fact, I think it's in the schedule. I think, I think it's any too. day now, Auckland. Right. Well, it hasn't started yet in New Zealand. I no, think. But, but I think I, we're going to get it. Far behind. Yeah, okay, I'm no. going to give it a whirl. Yeah, same. Same. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the highlight, it I reckon. It could be. It could be a cracker. 
And yeah, I'm looking at the Foxtel guy, Triple One Funny. Triple One Funny. Well, there you go. All right, chaps, look, that about rounds it up. Um, it's great talking to you both, as always. Thank you. I've really enjoyed that today, and I've got a massive list of I've got a massive things list I need to too. go and watch now. So um, thanks for that, you know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, well done. And uh, we'll do it again soon. You can uh, listen to this and other podcasts, of course. So go to mediaweek.com.au, click on the menu, click on the podcast tab, and uh, the list will come up, Dan. Is that correct? That's correct. Also, if you like this podcast, leave a review. helps other people find the show. Wonderful. Uh, follow us on Twitter, TV, <laughs> TV underscore Rev and Media Week AU. Sorry, that's I just gave my own personal. Well, that's Twitter all right. We, we're happy I'm with that. I'm going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> find us on Twitter, Media Week AUS, and also we've got the Facebook, Media Week AUS. Wonderful. See you next time.